the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Christine Lavelle from Rittle University College near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from potatoes to petunias and eucalyptus. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Christine, it's a warm welcome to the programme and temperatures are slowly getting warmer. Now we're coming towards May. So how's it affecting the gardens? I mean, it's up, down, frost one night, warm the next. Tricky, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's... um. But I think the main problem is it's so dry. It's really dry. So if we do get frost, it really affects the plants more so than if it was wetter. Yep, so um, I think the gardeners have just got to go out there and work with it, really. That's all we ever do. Yep. What's your first tip of the week then, Chrissy? Well, the first tip of the week, which uh, which actually follows on quite nicely, is about mulching. Right. Uh, normally, you would do your mulching during the winter time, but it's just been so dry, and you don't actually want to mulch. And mulching is putting a, a capping over the, the soil surface, and you can do that with organic matter. You could do it with stones, but organic matter is always better, or bark chips and so on, to a depth of five centimetres, which is two inches. And you normally put it on during the winter when the soil's wet, so you cap and you seal the moisture in. And I've had quite a number of people asking me over the winter time, is it time to mulch yet? And I'm going, oh, wait a little while, get a bit more moisture in the soil before you seal it in. We haven't had any, have we? Well, we haven't no. had any, no. So what I would recommend now uh, to everyone who's asked me in the past and for those listening uh, today is that I would irrigate first. I would get some irrigation equipment out. I would uh, water the soil. Uh, for Give quite, it a really good soak. Yeah. If you're a sprinkler, that's better than doing a hand watering. Is, so leave it on for a while, even till it puddles. And then once it's wet, you can put your two, uh, five centimetres, two inches of organic mulch over the top to seal it in. You can do that on shrub beds, you can do that on mixed borders, herbaceous borders. It's great for all of the garden. And if we have a dry summer, that will help in the long term, won't it? Absolutely, and that's why it's really topical because, you know, I I can't see how it's going to get any better now because this is the time of the year when it gets drier. How can it get any drier? Unless we're going to have a wet summer. (laughs) We won't look forward to that, though, will we? No. Um, Pumps and ponds in for ponds. It's very important that we... It's very easy to forget them, isn't it? And they're not running properly. The filters are bunged up. It is important that as we go into spring that you clean all that because aeration and oxygen within the pond is so important for the life of the fish because they're coming... They come to life through the spring. I mean, come to life. They're quite dormant in the winter. They're not totally dormant, but they're quite... They sit at the bottom of the pond. They're not active. They're now active, so help them. And if you're quite into natural things and you've got a waterfall, lovely way to clean the water is actually grow watercress in it. I'm not suggesting you eat the watercress because it's not very nice, <laughs> but you can actually use watercress, can't you, to clean the water. It works yes. really yeah. well. But the most important thing is see those pump filters are clean and see any other filters are clean and then look after your pond. Don't try pulling out lots of things at the moment. Even watch if you're picking out um, blanket weed and stuff because remember you might have tadpoles and a lot of small little creatures that you actually need in that pond to make the pond work for you. So leave well alone, just watch those filters. 
Yeah, if you do need to um, take any blanket weed or anything out the pond, leave it on the side. Take That's it out. Come leave, back, get back in, can't yeah, they? Yeah, leave it out for a couple of days before you compost it. Um, uh, my next tip is on pruning for scythias. Right. Uh, there's a group of plants that are called plants that flower on previous season's wood. And they're not like roses and buddleias that you cut everything down in March time. These are ones that they actually flower on the wood they made the year before, the year before that. So you prune them completely differently. So you do these after flowering. So our forsythias have just finished flowering. And so what we would like to do with the forsythias is to thin them out, take the really old growths out and you thin it throughout the bush of up to one third of the growth. You can be quite harsh, can't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people uh, prune halfway up a stem where you've got a new stem. I don't like that because you leave a sort of old woody leg at the bottom. Get I it try down and prune. To the bottom. Yeah, you know, a few in, a couple of inches from the bottom or where you can see it swelling out. That's where you get a bud coming from down the bottom. And preferably don't shape the forsythia because you'll lose a lot of blossom that way. People Absolutely. shape it like topiary, but that's not how they're supposed to grow, is it? No, no, you're meant to make them look quite natural. Occasionally they can get quite big that you've got to tip them but i'd rather not do it as you said and we're talking about those and then as we move on we get wigelias and all those and as they finish flowering you can prune those as well can't you yeah well just finishing flowering right at the moment with just a few blossoms on it is ribe sanguinean the flowering that's that's another one you do in previous seasons wood and then you thin it out and then the next one will be wigela as you say flowering in june and then round about then you'll have your philadelphus flowering and your your dutsias are actually flowering at the moment and then you do these after the finished flower also there they are don't be scared of doing a bit of pruning and lawn maintenance. Now, we have got our work cut out this year because it is dry. Oh, and yeah. with lawn maintenance, you, you can still get away with scarifying, but please, if you're going to scarify for moss, use moss killer first. You will need to water on any of the powder or granular uh, treatments that you're using because there just isn't enough rain out there. So that's really important you water it in. If it yeah. hasn't rained for a couple of hours or three hours, put it on for an hour, a sprinkler, and get that well into the soil, and that will work. When your moss has gone nice and dead, it'll go black, and then you can actually use a scarifier. I wouldn't use it too heavily at this time of the year, purely because the ground is so dry. And yeah. then get a good soil, um, soil-based top dressing. Rub that in with perhaps the back of a rake if you haven't got a true loot. Just rub it into the surface, and then you can oversee, get a good quality seat and just sprinkle it about. It's as easy as that. If we continue to have dried weather, you might be forced to fertilise your lawn with a liquid fertiliser because that is the better way, isn't it? Yes, it is. And if you put your liquid fertiliser on, make sure you irrigate it before you feed it. Yeah, so look after that lawn because a green lawn makes the garden, doesn't it? It certainly does. And talking about making the garden and following on from that, Ken, that was a good intro to this is a really good time of year for lawn establishments. So mm. sowing your seeds, it's really good. I mean, although you can turf all the year round, spring and autumn is an excellent time for turfing, um, as well as obviously grass seed sowing. So prepare your area, uh, you know, break it down, rake it, tread it, um, rake it again, and then get a nice level surface and then sow your seed. Little uh, tip, you know, the birds come down and eat quite a lot of the seeds. So we normally put canes through it and then put thread, um, you know, round the canes and that to stop the, the birds coming on. And it's as easy as that. You'll need to water that. it. 
Well, not initially, would you? No, well, gra- grass is a, a funny thing. It won't germinate unless it gets water, so you can just leave it on, and then as soon as it rains, it will germinate. Yeah. But it might get to the stage where it really doesn't rain for, for that long that you might want to irrigate it to, yeah, s- to initiate germination. There's not very heavy dews at the moment, are there, at all, either? No. So you might need to just water it in, and yeah. once it's going, it'll be fine. Yeah, and just keep watering it if it, if it continues it to, to be, be dry. dry yeah. And they are. Establish a new lawn. Maintain the new lawn, look after your ponds, do a bit of pruning. Everything you could want in your garden, we give you tips here on BBC Essex. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Let's have a look at some of the gardening events taking place across Essex over the next few weeks. And we'll start in Ardley. Yes, the Green Island Gardens in Ardley in Colchester, will be opening for the National Garden Scheme. The two-day event includes a bazaar of local produce and products, with monies from entry, admission, going to the National Garden Scheme. That's Saturday the 6th and 7th of May, 10 till 5. 6.50 an adult, 2.50 for a child. On the same weekend, there's a flower festival at St Peter, St Paul's Church, Black Notley in Essex. 10 till 5, followed by songs of praise on the Sunday. Normal service at 10am on Sunday morning. Anyone wishing to go along, uh, there's refreshments supplied. Yes, that's the 6th and 7th of May. On the 13th of May, at 8.30 uh, till... A.M. that is, not in the evening, that's 8.30 a.m. till 12 noon. The Billericay Horticulture Society are holding their plant sale. Takes place in the reading rooms, High Street, Billericay. Entry is absolutely free. 19th, 20th and 21st National Flower Show takes place at Highlands House in Chelmsford. Going on there, lots going on there. 20th of May... Uh, Saturday, 10am till midday, the matching charities, Farmers Market, Village Hall, fresh produce, local farmers and producers. Um, jumping through, quick one for June. It's just a reminder that on the 17th of June, that matching charity, Farmers Market, will be on again. So if you have an event, that's an Essex gardening event, for the BBC Essex Gardening Hour, send all the details to me, Ken Crowther, with at least three weeks' notice, either by email to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or you can write a note to me, as some do, BBC Essex, P.O. Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2, 9XB. Coming up next, myself and Christine will be answering your gardening questions. And we'll start with John in Rayleigh and his grapevine. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. What I've got, Ken, I've got a greenhouse, I've got a grapevine, and it's been there about 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. In that 13 years, if I pick 15 bunches of grapes, I've been very lucky. Now, this year, it's grown up and it's just climbed right across the top of the greenhouse, about eight foot. And it's just loaded up with leaves and what floors you're calling from where the grapes are going to come from. Yeah, they're flowers, basically, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got plenty of them on there, but it's all covered up with greenery. Do I cut them down or what? It, I'm a bit worried that you're not getting much grape um, on it. Do you prune it at all every year? Yeah, I have pruned it back. But you... last year I never bothered to prune it. This year it's just going to start waving mad. You see, you need to prune it between November and February if it's yeah. in a glass house. 
and all you're trying to do is you're you're training your main shoot, which you've got across the top of the greenhouse. It's but it's got near this year. But near the early part of the year. Well, keep it across the top of the greenhouse, and where the side shoots are, you just trim those back and you can do that even at this time of the year you just they'll bleed a bit yeah. you could trim those back to about two or three leaf joints and yeah. those will be the bits that will produce your grapes in the future right and i think that's what you might have been doing wrong i'm not being rude but i think that's what you might be doing wrong now would you cut i would actually remove some of the leaf around the florets oh, absolutely you? yeah i would do that now and if you've got a really good um crop at the moment you can actually thin your bunches of grapes out to thin them out so that you get a crop again next year yeah right because the way it is with the crop on it it looks like i could start my own grain the wine will be up that's good yeah. we'll be looking forward to a bottle of wine later on no oh, you can right. do yeah, you I'm feed it and they're shading out all the rest of me plants in the greenhouse. Yeah, take the take the leaf off. Yeah, and do you feed it? I've never fed it since I've had it. Well, that's probably why you're not getting you know as many flowers as you could do. Just a, a, a bit good of potash tomato yeah, food. Yeah, a good general fertilizer, and then you could also put um, tomorite in, as you say, to put, uh, help promote flowering and fruiting. Okay. Can you let us know how you get on? We'd love to hear from you. Okay, John? Okay, then, Ken. Now, now, Phil has also been listening to us talking about grapevines, but he's got bumps on the leaves of his grapes. I think I know what you've got, Phil, but describe it for us. Oh, morning, Ken. Um, well, I went out this morning just to look at the vine on the house and um, I've picked out four leaves and they're like bumps on the, on the surface and then white underneath, like a little, well, grey... Yeah, have you had them before out of interest? No, I don't think I have. And this no. bump literally is as if you it's as if you've pushed the leaf up with your little right. finger. Yep. 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 It's galls yep. that you've got. It's nothing to worry about. It's just galls oh, that you've got. Yeah, they're just little parasitic wasps. Oh. You can oh. pick the worst ones off if yeah, they you can offend you. Yeah, you just pick you. them off, yeah, but oh, they so won't. It won't hurt the vine nothing then. No, no. they'll be fine. All oh, right. Oh well. Do yeah. you get lots of grapes, Phil? Um, last year we had about ten bunches. Oh right. So yeah, outside near enough south face and wall. Yeah. Oh, well, that's um, ideal for it. Um, and what about um? Should I water it regular, or if that's in the sun, or that's got like gravel all right over the top? As it produces, like you say, with a tomato food. As it produces its fruit, you will need to water it because if not, they'll split. Yeah, otherwise they just yeah. dribble or yeah, yeah. That, that's more or less ninety percent water in it, really, I suppose. But you're better yeah. off watering it a lot and then leaving it to dry out and then watering it again rather than little and often. Yeah. So, yeah, looks like we're all in for a good grape harvest yeah, this year. Yeah, I think year. so, yeah. Linda in Colchester, though, is talking about cyclamen. Tell us more, Linda. Hi, Ken. Hello, Christine. Hello. Hello. Um, I had a floral tribute to my dog, um, which is a beautiful wrought iron basket with a silhouette. Oh, yeah. um, <clears> and it's cyclamen now. I don't do houseplants because, um, you know, I'm the kiss of death. But I did read a little bit on Wikipedia, which said it can go outside, and I'm wondering if I can put it on the hanging hook outside my kitchen window. But well, the cyclamen would have been in flower around about sort of Christmas and after Christmas. Is that right? It's, it's in full flower now, and it's got beautiful. Oh. Really thick green leaves. Would that, would that be the house plant one? Persicum, Sounds like you think? the house plant one. Yeah. yeah. Well, what you should do after it finishes flowering, rather than putting it outside, normally you give it a resting period over the summer months. 
So mm-hmm. you can either put it in um, a sort of semi-shady area under a bench somewhere where you keep it dry, or sometimes you can put it on a, under a bench and put it on its side and then just uh, leave it to dry out over the summer. And then round about September, October, you, uh, you can pot it up again and then start watering and feeding it. How do I water and feed it at the moment? So it's, it's sitting on my dining room table, and unfortunately my dining room table backs onto a radiator and it's been... Not cheap. good. No. Yeah. What other plants have you got in this tribute, though? They're, they're all, they're all cyclamen. Oh, they're all cyclamen. Yeah. They don't like being watered from so the could top. You, you could take the whole arrangement out, couldn't you, in, yeah. the, in the summer and just leave them in that arrangement and they would reflower around Christmas yeah, time, wouldn't they? Could, yeah, absolutely. But uh, at the moment, they don't like being watered uh, over their leaves, so you should either water them from the bottom or hold the leaves up and then, you know, get a nice fine spout of a washing can and then in your washing can and just water it under the leaves. That's what I, you know, that's what I did. I mean, I, I had it Tuesday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Put the soil underneath the leaves and it was quite, you know, sort of... No, you're, d- you're, yeah. d- you're doing just the right thing. Keep it nice and cool to get the most Best out of the flowers, it. yeah. Right, okay. it's in full bloom, and then do I leave it where it is indoors, or...? No, slowly take it outdoors, and when there's no frost, you can leave it outdoors, as Christine said, and just leave it to slowly dry out through the summer period, and uh, then you can you can leave it, and it will start to regrow at the latter end of this year, sort yeah. of September, October time. Monica from Grays, you've got an Acer question, is that right? Yes, I have, Ken. Um... It's uh, started to flat uh, to leaf. Mm-hmm. Right, it's in a pot. It's in an eighteen-inch wide pot. It's been in the pot for quite a while. North facing. Well, that we found that was the best. Right, we got wonderful displays. But this year, for no reason, it started to get its leaf, and then they curled up, and it looks like it's dying. And I've got no idea why. It wasn't too dry. There wasn't any vine weevil in it. I'm at a loss. <laughs> right. What do you reckon, Christine? I reckon it's probably been frosted. What do you think, Ken? I reckon frost. Yeah. Sounds like frost to us. If it goes brown and dries, have you scraped the bark at all to see if it's green underneath? Yes, yeah, some of it is green, and there's a yeah. few bits that are dead. So well, I don't know what to do with it now. Well, normally when it goes brown, my first thought before you said it, it you know, it wasn't dry, was that it was dry? Because that's normally if it's in a pot, acers really like to be moist, and that's usually yeah, no, the first thing. Yeah, it wasn't dry. Yeah, it was. Okay, but it could have it? actually dried out. You know, prior to you watering mm. it, that could have it could have dried out at one point. Combination, but it, but it certainly sounds like frost is the main culprit. Mm. Yeah, because it's on a north-facing wall. Keep so. it, keep it moist, keep it moist. Watch for the new growth, and then after the new growth appears, you could cut out the dead. Absolutely, All right. yep. All right. So you think it's still okay then? Yep. If it's still green underneath, it will be. If it's green underneath, it is fine. Do not worry. Don't panic yet. Alan from uh, Hodderson, sorry to have kept you waiting. You've got got a few questions for us, Alan? Uh, Yes, please, Ken, Christine. Um, My strawberries, the the centre of the flower has gone black. Would that be the frost? I would guess it must be. Um, Has the flower dropped? Has Has the petals gone? No, the petals are still there, but it's only happened since we had that heavy frost on Wednesday night. Definitely frost, then. Definitely frost. Can't be anything else. I must agree, I've I've watched quite a few plants that have caught that. And in fact, Um, even. Next one, potatoes, are some of those have caught the frost? Will they be okay? They'll be fine. They'll be absolutely fine. Yep, they'll just grow back, new leaves, no problem at all. Right. And 
another one. Um, I've got some horse manure in a bucket full of water. What sort of ratio should I water that onto the plants? Ah, well, we were, uh, you know, I was just teaching at Rittle College on Friday about liquid teas and I, I told them about my dad who um, used to get an old pillowcase and put manure in it and then put it in his water bar and it used to seep out into there. And it's called liquid tea because it should be diluted down to about the colour of tea. And then one of the students said, well, you know, it depends on how strong your tea is. And that's true, but, you know, just about an average cup of tea. So when you get it out there, it'll probably be quite dark and just dilute it down but to... Don't- don't yeah, do it's, sit. Yeah, it's very dark when I start to pin it yeah. out. Yeah, but do do filter it a bit. Don't. I mean, like the the pillowcase, which I hope he didn't try and get the stains out yeah, of. But, yeah, um, <laughs> but if if you if you actually no, if you actually filter it, because if there's any seed, grass seed, or anything like that in it, you'll end up with a problem, and that's why it's worth filtering it. Right. Okay. okay. Thanks, Ken. World's going to talk to Mick in Braintree. Hi, Mick. Hello, Ken. What you got Last on your... year was the first time I've ever had it on my strawberry plants, these tiny little caterpillars. Uh-huh. And this year, I've kept tired of them, they've looked all right. And then the other, yes, I think yesterday, the day before, I noticed these, like, burn marks on the leaves. When you cut the leaves off, they're these tiny, just about to see them starting these little caterpillars. So they're back again this year. Could be a moth, couldn't it, Christine, do you think? Yeah, sometimes you get these leaf-mining moths, don't you, that yeah. make that, that sort of mark on the leaf. Um, you'd have to, it'd be worth finding a contact spray that's suitable for using on fruit and veg. And I would just give them a really good spray, but you're going to have to spray it on the undersides of the leaves, Mick. Okay. All right. Cheers, Ken. All right. Let's go first to um, Linda in Hadley. Linda, talking. Hello. Li- yes, what? thanks so much. Lilies. Uh, you, yes, you've been helping me with my canarilli. All right. And I, you've given me good advice about these. It's the first time I've grown them. And I've got them into largest pots, and they're rooting oil, and one's just showing a tiny bit of leaf. Right. When do I start feeding them? Because they are uh, gross feeders, aren't they? Sorry, did you say cala or canna? Canna. Can it? Oh, right. Oh, well, yeah, yeah we've just, uh, I've just I've had a look two, at ours in the glass house and you I've should start feeding them round about now because they'll be ready to go plant out at the end of May. So mid-May, you're going to look to put them sort of outside in a cold frame or a cold glass house uh, for a couple of weeks to give them a transitional period before you plant them out. So I'd start giving I'm them going a... keep them in pots. Pardon? I'm going to keep them in large pots. Same, same yep. thing applies, though. Yeah, yep. so yeah, I'd uh, make sure that you, um, if they need potting up, pot them up now into yes, fresh compost. Yes, in two large pots. Yep, and you could start feeding every other week now. From now? Yep, I would do that from now, yeah, because we're, we're nearly at the end of April. Well, we are, aren't we? Yeah, so end of April. Absolutely, I'd start, I'd start giving them a, a feed every other week from now. Okay, that's uh, sorted those out. And from Braintree, we're talking clematis, aren't we? Hi there, Ken. <clears throat> yeah, I'm just phoning out to you. We've got a clematis, which obviously it was there when we moved into the house. It's trained up in on trellis. We're having some um, building work done, so we need to trim back the edge of it, otherwise it's going to be ruined. Now, I wanted to know, um, the, the, actually, the trellis fell, the, the clematis fell down last, last year in the wind, and we just have just secured the, the trellis. When do you prune it back? Can you hard prune it back when it's finished flowering? We need to actually replace the trellis. Is it, is it, to... is it flowering now? It's, it's in beautiful... Yeah, it is. So it's mostly a Montana type. Yeah. Is it pink Montana, or white? I was to say that. Sorry, it's Montana. Sorry, yeah. it's Montana. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, you, you don't actually prune a Montana um, unless you've actually got to prune it back for some reason, like it's on a drain pipe. And so you they have, because of the building yeah, work. So. Yeah, and um, we we actually had a, a job once where we, where we took it down to probably within a, a few inches, a few centimetres, maybe 10, 15 centimetres from the ground, yeah. and it had gone right the way up a, a two-storey building. Well, sorry, um, a two-level building, and um, and it came back beautiful. So if I was going to do, if I was going to prune it back, I'd actually rather do it in the springtime rather than wait till after it flowers. The reason for that is that there's more moisture in the ground roundabout now, and you'll get better regrowth because you're not right. thinking. Of, yeah. Whereas if you wait till after it flowers, it's only going to get drier, and your regrowth won't be as yeah. good as if you did it now. Right. So you do lose the flowers, but there is a benefit on the regrowth. Okay. Right. So springtime then, really. Yeah. 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 So what you're talking about sort of next year then really, aren't you? Well it depends when you're having your building work done. Well it's starting in this week actually. But I mean you don't need to prune it right back now. We need to actually sort of trim it because otherwise it's gonna be ruined by the digger and that now. But I think we do need to actually replace the trellis. Yep. So so it's next spring you're talking about really. Yeah, but if yeah. if you have to prune it before because you're putting new trellis up, do it. You yep. will not do it a disastrous If not effect. March is a good time. Yep. Indeed. Now, Mark, everybody's thinking it's summer. Everybody's doing hanging baskets. Is that what we're talking about with yourself? Yes, it is indeed. Beginner's question. Right. What would you like to know? Um, I have um, some plug-in um, semi-trailing um, Grand Prix petunias right. that I was planning on doing today. Yep. Um, but I'm unsure on how many to put in to a 10-inch diameter um, hanging basket. That's oh, quite small, a 10-inch. It is inch, quite yeah. a small 10-inch. Yeah, normally we do 14s, 14-inch uh, baskets. And what do you put in a 14? Or uh, how many plants? We do six, seven. Seven, so I think about yeah. five. Yeah, OK. Now, my question, Mark, is you're not thinking of planting and leaving it outside, are you? Uh, that was going to be another question. So you, you you feel it's the wrong time. It's far too early for Petunia. Yeah, I'll tell I want to tell you another story about my dad. I'm going to get him in here again. And I says, oh, you should phone in, Dad. And he says, oh, well, I don't listen to you anyway because you told me not to put my bedding plants out. This is in Scotland last week, and he right. did. And he just told me that they're all frosted. So um, hey. yeah, so you should had... actually not put them out till round about the end of May. Most years you okay. can maybe get away, get away with putting, mid. yeah, mid-May, uh, probably eight years out of ten, but actually uh, I would not... This year's a yeah. strange year. Yeah. Be very careful. What you can do is put it out on a sunny day uh, and then bring them back into a garage or something at night to protect it. But you think it would be better if I left it until the end of May? Yeah. Oh, you mid, could, you middle could, to end of if May. If you put it out in mid-May and you were going to get a frosty night, you could just bring it in the house overnight and then put it out again. Right. Well, there's about ten of them, so I can't really bring them all. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll, that, that, See, gives a, the, that gives me a day off. Yeah. This but, is one of the... Pro I used to work in a garden centre and, and the, the, the actual plants used to come in for sale round about sort of the beginning of April and I used to look at them thinking, well, they can't actually put them out till the, to the end of May. Then people buy them, then they would get frosted and then they would have to go back and get some more. And actually, probably people are actually better off waiting till about round about the beginning of May to get them if they've got somewhere to store them like a cold glass house or pot up their hanging baskets, leave them indoors for a couple of weeks and then put them out. Hope that's helped Mark. 
and many others who are eager on this bank holiday weekend to get out there and start planting bedding plants. John from Boreham, you're our tenth call today and you are talking potatoes. Is that right, John? Yes, good morning, Ken and Hi. Christine. Yeah, um, last week, Ken, you recommended that we didn't put the potatoes out and the, and the runner beans. Can I, can I go ahead now this weekend? I was talking about um, not... I was saying that the earliest you could put out, but the mids and the lates I would hold off. Um, right. I still wouldn't put runner beans out. No, no. absolutely not. No. No. They're, they're very doors, similar then. to uh, oh, bedding yes. plants, aren't they, Ken? Yeah. Treat them as a bedding plant. Grow, yeah. them, grow them indoors on a windowsill or somewhere protected, and then you're ahead of the game when you can put them out. Yeah. I mean, sadly, sadly, if you go to a garden centre, John, you'll see all the all different vegetables are there and all the all the plants. Um, but that's because it's demand, and if people want yeah. stuff, they will. Then they've got to buy it. We go to. Oh, Bill, what have you got on your oh. spuds? Oh, Bill, what oh. you done? Well, my wife's got these special potatoes, and we put them in the earlys and. Uh, <laughs> The frost has got them, even though they're special ones. What were they? Do you know? Jacket potatoes. Oh, jacket potatoes, special jacket The biggest right. problem you've got, Bill, is that, yeah. yes, they'll survive, yes, they'll grow out of it, but they get a yes. stop. Yeah. They'll they be get, stopped. Yeah. And that, they're checked, as yeah. we say. Yeah? Okay. Worth okay. having, when you're growing stuff like that, have a bit of fleece. If you're in early, yeah. have a bit of fleece, horticultural fleece, well, and when you hear a frost, chuck it over yeah. the top. All the potato well, said, yeah. All the potato farmers that grow early potatoes nowadays, they put polythene over the top just to, uh, you know, raise the right. soil temperature and keep the frost off by a couple of degrees. Oh. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Can you let us know how you get on, though, Bill? We want to hear. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from eleven. I promised to go to Roger, and don't forget, I've got Jerry as well, wants to talk about eucalyptus, but Roger's first in Basildon. Hi there. My question is about uh, begonia tubers, and these are trading ones for hanging baskets. Yeah. I've overwintered them. They're Good. now about eight centimetres across, and I'm getting lovely shoots coming out either side, That's and I want to know if I can split them like you can a dahlia tubular. Yeah, you can, yeah. You can just get a knife and uh, just split them and down yeah. as long as you've got some shoots right. on, on uh, either I side. I haven't actually put them in the baskets yet, but I will propose to put them in the baskets this weekend because yeah. I'm protected by a, a 40-foot wall all the way down the garden on my hanging baskets. Yeah. Um, because of the frost we've had, I was going to just get some old lace curtains and drape them over the baskets for a few days or do you reckon that because they're tubers and the shoots are quite long, they'll be safe? No, just because the tubers, uh, tuber uh, yeah. stems are long doesn't make them safe. They're a very sappy, they're incredible amount of water within that within the the stem of a begonia. And in yeah, fact, they're not soggy, they're not uh, like no, 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 no. They're very no. firm and hard. I know they are, but if I a know, frost, uh, frost get, if a frost um, gets on it, you're so, um, I can put them in the baskets, can I? But still protect them. They uh, need protecting. The, I can't. Of lace curtains. As good as horticultural fleece, do it a couple of, couple of things. But personally, I would keep them protected for another couple of weeks, wouldn't you, Christine? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. Before I just quickly ring off, can I just take the, the curtains down in the daytime and then yes, just yeah, hang yes, them back in the evening to, 
while I do evening. Yep, you can indeed. Thank you, Ken. Thank let, you, Christine. And Thank let's you. have a picture of your picture of them when they're all up and running. Let's uh, do eucalyptuses with Jerry from Silver End. What about your eucalyptus, Jerry? Hello. Hi. Hello. What do you need is ask for a bit of advice. Um, after the tree or shrub of some description, that keeps the gnats and the mozzies off the patio area. Now, I went down to a, a well-known garden centre in Chipcree, yeah, and they recommended eucalyptus. I wanted your advice on that, please. Well, it helps, but I don't know that it will stop it. Um, no. It's one of the plants that helps. It's well, like all... always. Well, now it's not going to kill them or anything like that. But apparently, it's a, it's a deterrent. Mm. Is it Is a deterrent right? enough? Do you think, Christian? I would say not. It won't hold them away completely, will it? No. No, not at all. I, I mean, I can't really think off the top of my head any plant that would really Will. do that. Um, they're they're known to help the situation, but that's all well, I would... Through the garden centre, and they... Yeah, eucalyptus, also remember it's a very large plant. I don't know how big your garden is in Silver End, but it is a very large plant, and you would have to cut it every year on an annual basis to keep it any size that you wanted, Jerry. Yeah, and it takes moisture and food from other plants around, so it's quite competitive with your yeah. other plants in the borders. So I'd really carefully consider it for the benefits that it would actually give you. All right, does that help you, Jerry? All right. Yeah, fine. Well, I actually bought it. It's uh, two foot high at the moment. Yeah. Keep it as a. Keep it as a large shrub. Nothing else. Keep pruning it as a large shrub, and then you could eat. You yeah. can't even grow them in pots, but you they can do outgrow them. Copper some, yeah, some down some. every few years. Yeah. Susan. Hello, Susan from Acton. Hello. Good morning. Uh, yeah, we've got a fig. It's about two foot tall. It's been in the ground for a couple of years in a pot. Uh, it's got a couple of figs on it, but we've mm -hmm. just noticed it's got leaf curl. It's, we're not sure if it's gone through the frost. Do you think we can get it back? Is there anything we could feed it with? What, what did you say has happened to it? Uh, the um, leaves have gone brown on it and curled up. Leaves have gone up. brown. I, I think we're down to frost again. Unless it's very... Because Christine's on dry and I'm on frost, so we're doing a good <laughs> job here. It, you said it's in a pot or in the ground? It's in the, in, the, in the ground, but in a pot. Could still be dry, couldn't it? Yeah. combination you, of dry yeah. and frost is doing a lot of harm this year. Right. So give um, it a good feed? I'd give it a good... No, well, if it hasn't water. got much leaves, it's water. That's yeah. all it needs. Give it a good water, and then you could always feed it after you've watered it. Yeah. And then, and then, as Ken had mentioned earlier, just scrape the bark uh, to see if it's green underneath, and I'm sure it'll shoot back, because we used to get them frosties yeah. in Scotland quite often, actually. Right. Oh, all right, Susan? So we definitely haven't lost it then. That's good. I would pretty well reckon you haven't. Lovely. Thank you very much. I look forward to coming around having, um, what is it, figs and... I love figs. Pat from Canvey Island, talking black-eyed Sue. Is that right? Oh, yes, please. Uh, I've just been bought this lovely plant. I know it's far too cold to put it out yet, but could you tell me a little bit about it? Is it annual? Is it perennial? Um, I just don't know. Is it Thunbergia, isn't yeah, it? Thunbergia. Yeah, Thunbergia. Black-eyed Sioux, orangey, yellow. Well, there's yeah. several, aren't there? There's a yellow and there's an orange, and they've got this black eye, and they climb, don't they? They're lovely yeah. climbers. In fact, what if, have you grown them yourself from seed, or have you grown them? Have you bought no, them as... it's bought for me. It's a nice plant. It's about uh, 18 inches tall. Yep. Uh, well, I'd grow it up a tripod. Yeah, we used to sort of, like, make some wigwams and so on and grow them up there. They don't get too tall, do they, Ken? No, about yeah. three foot, something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And uh, they are annual, aren't they? Yes, I was just trying an to remember. No, they're an annual, yeah. so. Oh. 
they're, they're one of the annuals that you grow for the summer, gives you a nice, nice, uh, nice show, and then you know that's it, and you grow it again next year. But the they're flowers are lovely. The flowers beautiful. are really pretty, yeah. oh. and it's called black eye Susan because fence or something. Could you put it up the fence? Yes, you could, yeah. with a bit of uh, mesh or net. Yeah, or you'd have to put some support on the on the fence yeah. for it to grow up. But yeah, of course. Oh, lovely. Okay then. Oh. Thank you. So, when do I plant it out? When it gets much warmer. Yeah, a lot warmer and no no sign of frost. That's Just what like you're a bedding in. plant, so you make sure that you put it out so mid May towards the end yeah. of May. Right. Okay then. Thank you so nice much. Nice bit of sunshine. Sunshine, yeah, we won't go there on that one. Guy, <laughs> Guy Mitchell, black-eyed Sue, is that is that right? Yep. Oh, shows my age though, doesn't it? Um, let's go to Eve from West Essex. Hello, Eve. <laughs> Ken and Christine. Hello. Um, I don't know if you know about wasps or bees. Depends what you're talking about. Whether we know uh-huh. about what you're talking about. Well, I assume I assume it's the dry weather we've been having, but I've noticed recently that lots of um. I think they might be young bees. I'm not quite sure what they are. Um, but they keep coming onto the bird bath, right. the water. Uh-huh. And I wondered if um, that was doing anything harmful to them or whether I can put something um, where they can feed, you know, if I can get something to put in the water. No, well, they're just like they're just coming taking down. Water, yeah, aren't they? yeah, they're just like uh, coming down to drink, actually. And when if you make a pond, it's always good to get a few cobbles to create like little areas for them to come down because they don't like going and swooping down over vast areas because they'll swoop down um, and and collect the water. So they like to land on something in a uh, quite um not a stagnant pool, but where you've got one where it's uh, you know just a small pool with not many waves or that on it. So a bird table like you've described is yeah. actually ideal for them. So just keep. Doing what you're doing. Oh, good. I mean, they seem to fill themselves up to almost their own weight in water, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they have to take water just the same yeah. as same as every other insects. They're fascinating creatures. All right, then. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Keep looking after them, because we do have to. As we go to Angie in South End. Oh, Hello. hi. Good, after, uh, good morning, Ken. Hi, Angie. Hi, uh, if I may ask you, I've just cleaned out my greenhouse and there was some moss on the inside as well. Is that going to uh, damage the soil in the greenhouse? Well, do you mean if you if the moss drops from where you're cleaning it off onto the yeah. soil? Yeah. No, but it says so. No, you could just dig it in. That'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Won't hurt. Uh, um, and can I be cheeky and ask about something else? Of course I've you can. Go on, go for berries. it. Goji berries, yeah. Plant. Um, when does it flower and produce its fruit? Because at the moment it's just growing like mad. Are they? How old are they? Oh, a couple of years old. And Two years. They thing, should actually. I'll put uh, some trailer things on my back fence. And have you have you pruned them at all? Uh, no. Should I have? No, that's why I didn't. I was worried that you had pruned them heavily because yeah. normally you want a bit of mature growth for them to actually produce their fruit on. So you don't want to prune them particularly hard. Um, if you, should, just, you should be getting some. You on should by be now. getting fruit by now. Yeah. In the second year, um, but it's still too early for flower, isn't it? Goji yeah. berry. They're not going to come. Just a little yet. bit later. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Because I haven't seen any flowers on it at all. No, I think you're a bit early. Ah, okay, that's brilliant. And give it a bit of tomato food, always helps it on its way. 
Oh, brilliant. Right. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks. Uh, bye there. And that's Angie from South End. And we go to Maureen in Felstead. Hello, Maureen. Hello. Um, I was given a potted rose by my daughter for Easter. Mm-hmm. And it's got four little cuttings in, as you know. That's right. And um, it started to drop, go yellow and drop its leaves. They do. They do. They do. Yes. Yeah. Oh right. Well, yeah. Well, I'm just. I wondered if it was anything I'd done. I would. Do you know? I. I'm uh, saying they do. I'm being very negative, but no, they, they do. They, they don't do. They? they always do. It's because, isn't it? Because really, Christine, they're grown to a, to produce that flower. They they're sold with that top lovely green growth. Yeah. All that flower, and you take it home. You've changed its temperature and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. And suddenly, it's a bit of a shock for them, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it goes in a bit of a shock. It goes yellow. It drops some leaves and so on. But it should still keep growing, shouldn't it? Yeah, but do you know, even although it keeps growing, I'm one of these people that with the pot plants, rather than trying to keep them going at um, at great expense to your time and so on, that I'm one of these people that will just put it in the compost heap and then just go and get another one. No. What do you, rather, well, it's, rather, got, it's got some more buds coming on it. Oh, has it? Okay. Mm. Well, if it's got some more buds and you want to keep it going uh, and it's dropped some leaves, it'll adjust to the temperature that you're in now and it will grow some more leaves. So I'd give it a, um, a good feed, just get a, a house plant feed or, um, yep. or well, just yeah, a general house. Yeah. yeah. And then I wondered you f- if that was what, what I'd done wrong. No, no, no you feed it every no. two weeks, but make sure when you feed it, it's moist when you feed it, otherwise, you can burn the roots. Okay. Right. And just the other thing, can I just put it in a pot outside in the garden when it's finished flowering and just see how it goes? Yes, they don't always survive that well, but yes, they will grow outside, but they don't produce yeah. very great roses, do they? No. That's when I usually put them on the compost heap. But some people do keep them going in, as Ken said, yeah. They do they will yeah, grow. Yeah, that's fine. All, All right, Maureen. I'll, I'll give it a try. Let us know how you get on. That's nice to hear from Maureen about her potting um, rose. We had a uh, I'm going to just go jump to this text because it says, can I put my azalea for the house eventually be planted in the garden? That's Andrew in Tolsbury. Now, the problem there is that there's several varieties of azalea yeah. that you get indoors. And yeah. if it's indica, it's not hardy, is it? No, there's some, some, some indoor house Some are yeah. So... You could take a chance. Take a chance. Yep. Take a chance and give it a go. You won't have lost anything, so and repot it because it will be tight in its pot. It definitely will be. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Frank from Springfield. Hello, Frank. Hello there. Um, I have a double-flowering cherry tree in my front garden, which is about almost 50 years old. Ooh, that's this a year, old for the tree. very first time, no blossom, and yet we have... Year after year, an enormous yeah. amount of blossom. Cherry trees are quite a, a short-lived tree by tree standards, and it's usually uh, they start to go into decline after about 40, 50 years. So it might start, you know, actually be going into decline. Have you checked it for signs of uh, canker? No, yeah, it, is it bleeding anywhere? At all, actually. It's got all new growth on it. At the, you know, the ends of the branches, everything. The leaves are in really good condition. Uh, but just no blossom at all. Well, that's unusual because uh, at Rissell College, we've got excellent blossom on the cherries this year because it's been so dry. Um, they don't like it overly wet. 
Um, so that's quite a un- your tree is actually unusual then that's doing it. So it's obviously something specific to your your particular tree. Yeah. Um, any ideas, Ken? Not really. I mean, generally. Cherries have been very good this year, yeah, so it's they a bit have. depressing to say to you you haven't got blossom. The most important thing, I think, Frank, is, as Christine's saying, 50-year-old tree, if it's a cherry, is doing extremely well. Yeah. Right. I would therefore say that if it's got good growth, I wouldn't worry, yeah. purely because it's got loads of new growth. Right. I wouldn't panic. Um, only, but, only, as I say, I've seen the trees around me. that are... They're covered, aren't they? And they are covered, yeah, but yeah. this is might be worth Might be worth giving it... Um, I mean, it's obviously old, which would mean that if you're giving it water, it depends whether you're on a meter, whether you want to be generous with the water, but you could put water... Yeah. But if you're watering a tree of that size, you need to put it round the edge, not near the trunk. You have to put yeah. it near the edge. Right. To try and just encourage it to grow a bit more. Okay. You could even give it a, a feed, a potash feed as well. Yeah. But again, like we were saying about feeding any feed, whether it's a house plant or a tree, make sure the soil's moist before you feed it. Okay. okay then. Right you are. Thanks ever so much. Helen in Rayleigh. What would you like to know, Helen? Oh, right. Good morning. Uh, um, I had a wisteria. I had it for a long while growing up my garage wall in the garden. And then it died one winter time. It just, well, I was quite shocked about it, actually, because uh, it was very large. Anyway, that was it. Gone, I thought. And then about 18 months later, I had a shoot come up right from the bottom. I thought, oh, it's coming back. <laughs> well, yes, it has come back, and it's grown up the trellis of the garage, but there hasn't been any flower on it. Now, somebody told me, no, there won't be either, because that flower has to be grafted. And yours has come, the, the shoot has come out below the grafting, so it is possible. It is, no, it won't never flower it is possible isn't it that that has come yeah. from the base hasn't it yeah well the, my first thought was that the regrowth might be from uh, the rootstock of a, a grafted plant but not all plants are grafted and even if it is grafted onto a rootstock the rootstock will still flower it might not be as big in the same color as the top growth yeah. that it was grafted onto um and it might take a number of years before it does flower oh right so i, I had mine for six out. or seven years before oh, it flowered don't rip it out no peter no, 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 no. Peter on yeah. Sunday mornings on breakfast, he had a similar sort of thing on his. He had this beautiful wisteria across the back of his mm. house, but that is again, it appeared to die and has started flowering, started growing oh, and flowering. Oh, okay. So then. don't give up, don't give up. Right. You had another question, I think, Helen. Yes, it's the birds, right? Yep. The, the birds they nest. Well, I've got hedges around my front garden, yep. and they're in desperate need of cutting, but because I can't cut them yet because. Yep. They're nesting in them. Now, I know birds, they normally... Ken, don't cut them. them. <laughs> they, they nest a couple of times a year, don't they? So when is that in-between time when I'm happy to get out there with my hedge trimmer, you know? Oh, yeah, with, with a hedge trimmer. I, no, I wouldn't do it with a hedge trimmer. I think if you've got little bits sticking up, I would go over with a hand shears, and I don't think you generally would disturb birds. I'll get well, told off for that completely, but, you know. Um, yeah, I would do that normally, you yeah. know, but... Uh, so but they, they have... Gr- They've grown a lot this 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 year. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you should be doing it late summer. That would be that would be you know the best time to do it, or even during the winter time if you miss it. As long as it's not an evergreen one, you know, do it during the winter. But uh, being a wildlife lover and a bit of an organic gardener, you shouldn't do it. I would say I'm giving you Ken daggers here. No, you've got to watch, haven't you? That, yeah. All you do is watch. Yeah. Watch. I mean, you you could really seriously disturb the nesting if you start um, wandering about and uh, have lots of activity in the vicinity the, of the nest. And there's no what set about month. The end of June. 
Well, you've got to watch the birds that are there. You couldn't yeah, predict. No, it's usually about um, end of July that you would normally start to oh, do right. your... Yeah. Okay, then, yeah, yeah. Okie doke, then, oh, as long as I know. We've got blackbirds uh, that are nesting in a bay tree out the back of our house, and they've had two broods already. They're on their second brood, and the magpie came into the garden the other night there, and you could hear the blackbird going mad, the magpie was going mad, so I don't know what the outcome of it is, but uh, I'm going to have a look this weekend and see what's happening we're now going to go straight to linda from chumpsford and linda what do you got for us oh good morning to you both have i left it too late to repot my hydrangea you say repot it what well, what stage in, is it in it's been in the same pot for about seven years it's about eight inches across and the hydrangea is now about two and a half foot high and wide and I well, just think it needs yes. to be a bigger pot. Yeah, springtime's a brilliant time to, to replant. Now, yeah, you? absolutely. Yeah, just I get a. Do it now, not too late. John Innes, number three. Yeah, John Innes, number three is fantastic. You know, just get. And don't get too big a pot to, um, to plant. Well, the one I've got is about 12 inches across. And you've got an eight at the moment. Well, eight to, eight to nine, I think. Yeah, no, that's great. Eight, that's really good. Bottom. Yeah. It's wide at the top, the one it's in, but thinner at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. Good. Just make sure that you've got um, you've got a good drainage hole in the bottom. Put a bit of crocs or gravel in the bottom to help with the drainage, okay. and then pot it up. And then when you do pot it up from one pot to another, um, you have roots that will probably be wrapping around the uh, yeah. the outside of the pot. Just tease them out with your fingers, and it'll help it grow into the next pot. Okay. And just the other thing, I've got a blue hydrangea at the top of the garden. And each year the flowers get a bit paler. Yep. What do I need to dig in to make it a bit? Or liquid feed of acid feed. You can go yeah. and buy a sequestered iron, something like that, and that'll sort it out for you. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, just while we're on those plants, we got asked by Jackie Inonga. Hi, Dranger. This came in on the text. Got called by Frost this week, only on the top. Shall I remove the frosted tips or leave it alone? I'd leave well alone, wouldn't you? We might get another frost. Yeah, I'd just leave it. It'll sort itself out. Plants are tough. Let's go to Mary in Romford. Oh, good morning, Ken and Christine. Morning. Um, I've had in my garden some hebes, which I planted some three years ago, two years ago, but uh, I was rather silly and I never trimmed them back, so they've gone rather woody and leggy and flopping all over the place. Am I too late to trim them back now? No, for evergreens, it's actually okay to do in April. April, May. Yeah. yeah, and so it's fine. The only thing about hebes is it's a bit hit and miss after you prune it back, whether you actually get regrowth. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. Oh. And what we always say about that in the garden is, well, if it is so leggy and it's not going to look good, do or die, prune it back. And if it doesn't come back, it doesn't matter because it wasn't looking that good anyway. Okay. Uh, you could give it a light prune back, though. Um, okay. Uh, not into old wood and it's going to come back if you've got some leaves below it. But yeah, yeah you should, uh, any plant like that, you should really do from the first year you get it. Yeah, I, I realise that now. I've just got the label out. So, um, I'll have a go then, and if they die, I'll just go out and buy some new ones. And... There's a positive lady. That's yeah. what I like to hear. <laughs> Let's go to Robin Colchester. Hello, Robin Colchester. Hello, Ken. Hello, Christine. Morning to you both. Morning. I've, I've got um, a honeysuckle on a fence, um, which is intertwingled with a clematis. It's about four or five years old. It's getting very bulky, and it's come out so far that it overhangs my flower planter that is in front of the fence yeah. to the extent that everything kind of draws to the light and uh, uh, struggles to grow. Can I cut that honeysuckle right back now? 
Yeah, well, uh, with the, normally it would have been done probably around about March time to get some, uh, but now is absolutely fine. Just like how we were talking about clematis earlier on, they are actually hedgerow plants, so that's why it bulks out at the top, because nat- naturally a honeysuckle would have its roots in the hedge at the bottom where it's nice and shady and then grow out through and then bulk out over the top to gather the sunlight. So that's what it's doing on your, uh, on your fence. Uh, so... I would actually prune it back to within an inch of its life, well, not quite an inch of its life, but you know, a few inches from the base, around about 10 centimetres. And so, because it flowers on two-year-old wood, you're going to lose the flowers, but you're going to get some spectacular growth this year. And then next year, it'll you'll have leaves and so on, right the way down to the bottom, and you'll have lovely flowers. And so that's, you know, what I would recommend. I've done it myself, so it'll be absolutely fine to do that. But if you do prune it, make sure that you give it a really good water to help with the regrowth. And keep that water going if we stay yeah, dry like it, it is. Okay. It's just that it's really very, very vigorous now with loads and loads of new growth and, and uh, tentacles coming out, you know, by the hundreds. Um, it's very, very well advanced this year. Yeah. Um, so I'll be cutting new growth back. That's all right. I, I was thinking, yeah. of, thinking of using a hedge trimmer on it, you know, and just cutting it back to nearer to the fence. Well, we never, we never, well, reco- be, we never yeah. recommend hedge trimmers because we're gardeners, but yeah. gar- hedge trimmers are for hedges. But I, if you I'd cut take it, it right back, back. But take it hard back. Go through it with secateurs and just peel it away, and you'll be able to see the stems a lot easier if you use secateurs and just peel it away. You start one side and just peel it back. What, and waste all the flowers that are on the yep. tomatoes this year? Yeah. If you want to cut, if you want to sort it out, yes. Yeah. Right, OK, thank you. All right. That, that's Rob sorted with her clematis and honeysuckle. Uh, Con in South Mis asked when she can cut back her winter flowering honeysuckle. It's the white one. It smells really beautiful. I think she means the shrub one, do you? Because I think so, yeah. You uh, could prune that now, couldn't you, straight after yeah, flowering? Yeah, and just thin it out like yeah. we were talking about for scythias earlier on. Um, well, Ken and I were discussing that. So thin it out and only take up to a third of the growth out. Okay, let's go to Graham from Braintree. Caller number 24. Um, the best thing to kill ivy. Why, why are you trying to kill ivy, Graham? Because that is uh, one of the hates. I, 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 I just can't stand ivy. That's in my son's garden. He's right. only, he hasn't long bought the house. Uh-huh. And his shed is absolutely <laughs> covered with it. It has. And the shrubs and the trees around the garden have got ivy coming through the fence and spreading across the garden. No, okay. if it's coming through the fence, you definitely want to stop it at the fence, don't you, Christine? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's really difficult to kill ivy, though, because it's got such a glossy leaf that if you actually put some herbicide on it, it doesn't take it up, it just runs off the leaf. So we've just taken a whole load of ivy out of a woodland garden um, at Rittle College, and we didn't use chemical on it. We we got we got a digger in to scrape it off the surface for big areas. I bet and, it'll come back. Uh, yeah, I bet you will. Yeah, yeah you yeah. always leave a bit of the root on, and for that's the other right. areas, it was actually dug out. So that's probably the most effective method is to actually manually take it out. And then, if it rises, then use something like glyphosate on it and just paint it onto the leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah you could bruise you it can... first. Bruise the leaves first because they're too glossy otherwise. But dig the yes, worst out. Right. Yes, yeah, All I right? do understand that. I've been in farming. I have. All oh, right, okay. I know what it's like. Yeah, but that's uh, coming through the fence. And that, and that oh, it's a pain in the neck. 
No, yeah, stop it, it stop it off at the fence and then dig it out the worst of it and then we can go from there. But anyway, I've got a letter here. Nice name of a house, Serendipity. Oh, and right. this is from Phyllis Richardson. She sent in a lovely picture, hasn't she, uh-huh. of an Indian beachy, which is Catalpa. And what she wants to know is, it's lifting some of the paving stones. Can she lift them and then cut the roots off? Well... Well, it's a bit dodgy if you do that. It's a narrow garden. You can see it's a narrow garden, can't you, Christine? What would you do with it? Well, uh, we were actually discussing this earlier, and we said that we would uh, coppice it back. and so that really really, hard? Yeah, really, really hard. Um, You can actually take it back beyond where you've got leaves at the moment, and then it'll re-sprout. But not till next winter. But I wouldn't do it now. I would do it round about next March time. Yeah, that's one. We had a plant, didn't we, which came, didn't look great, did it? But that came from somebody I can't, who was it from? Uh, Mrs. Kane, I think. And that came from Highwoods. Um, she sent us a plant which we couldn't identify. And what was that we decided? It was a Catinus Cogigria Royal Purple, which is the smoke bush. There you are. All these things come to us. And come on, we were going to, I said we'd get to 25, didn't we? So there we are, Shirley from South Ockenden. Quickly answer your call, hopefully. Shirley. Good morning to you both. Um, over the last couple of weeks, gone out in the front garden of a the morning, there's little holes. They're about two inches deep, about two or three inches wide. The, the, the grass is there. It's not as though they're mould. Is it foxes or something? There's about 20 holes at the moment. Could be badgers. Have you got badgers round about? Looking... I don't think so. Because badgers can uh, take up the, how big the grass. Were those? Remind us quickly how big those holes were. They're about two inches deep and probably two to three inches across. Something looking for worms. It sounds more like badgers, doesn't it? Badgers. They they look for grubs as well. Uh, You know, uh, lawn grubs and so on. They look for worms. So it could could be foxes as well. Do foxes go for grubs much? They do. They like worms, actually. Worms are one of their favourite. But I would say it would more likely be badgers. Is there anything I can put down to stop it? They're a protected species, really, so not really. You've got to be very careful. Uh, you might try things like pepper dust and things like that, which will be harmless yeah. to animals, and that's about all you can do. Go to a good garden centre and get their advice on which products you could use. I think what they maybe try to do is, um, the other thing is form a latrine. Yeah. yeah if, so if you see any poo about it, it's probably going to be badger poo. They are. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11.